You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hello, everybody, and welcome into Crunch Time here on the game. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast, Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS fiber on today's show we're going to recap lsu falling to florida inside the pete maravich assembly center last night we're going to preview the celtics and the pelicans taking place inside td garden tonight and we will do one final hoot wednesday for the 2022 football season with our guy brendan Ertle in our number two Bring in my producer and co-host now, Mr. James Mesh. James, happy Wednesday to you, sir. How are you? Doing just fine in this middle of the week hump day. How about you? I mean, isn't isn't every middle of the week hump day? Yes. Interesting. So I, I'm just I'm just confused as to why you, you felt the urge to say. Because I want to elaborate more on it, Matt. Is that too much? To the do? middle of the week hump day, but uh, okay, I'm I'm doing very well, James. Thanks for asking. Don't be a Cletus. <laughs> and there it is. <laughs> LSU fell sixty-seven to fifty-six last night. Interesting. LSU has scored fifty-six in each of their last two games. Both of them were losses. Maybe fifty-six is an unlucky number for the Tigers. And, and you get out of that trend. I mean, that just that that's clearly fifty six is not going to consistently win you games. That that's clearly not working for them. They were up three at halftime. It was a twenty eight twenty five game at the half, uh, but then they were outscored forty two to twenty eight in the second half, and that's just that, not, that's that's the issue. That's not a recipe for success, right? Right there. Uh, Colin Castleton led the way for Florida with eighteen points. He only had three of six shooting but was 12 of 15 from the free throw line. He also added seven rebounds, two assists, and five, count them, one, two, three, four, five blocks on the night for the Florida Gators, eight as a team in that one. The leader for LSU was K.J. Williams with 23 on eight of 20 shooting. Adam Miller, another poor night, two of 12 from the field, one of eight from the free throw line. Look, you know, you, you heard the commentators talk about it last night, and I'm going to reiterate it again. LSU's going to have to find somebody other than K.J. Williams and Adam Miller. Because K.J. Williams had a pretty solid night, 8 of 20, 6 of 8 from the free throw line, 23 points, 7 rebounds. That's all fine and dandy. But when your other three starters combined for five of 19 from the field, outside of Williams and Miller, who combined for 10 of 32, you you didn't shoot the ball well. 
You shot 32% from the field, 19 of 59, and 5 of 28 from deep. Not to mention you were doubled up at the free throw line. Things just did not go LSU's way last night. And now you're sitting at 12 and 4, which sounds like a nice overall record until you look at the fact that you're 1 and 3 in the SEC. On a three-game losing streak. Oh, man. Look, basketball's a game of runs in-game and in-season, too. Like, you're going to go through losing streaks? You've got you've got hot and cold streaks where you kind of look at it and you're like, oh, got to get out of this rut. But, man, you got to find your way out of it. Mm-hmm. you got to find your way out of it. And it's not going to get easier. Which I, I still believe that LSU can do. They I, play They play Alabama on Saturday in Tuscaloosa. And then you come back to play Auburn and Tennessee, and then you go play Arkansas again. I mean, it, it just—it's not going to get easier for Matt McMahon's group. Um, now, granted, it's still very early, so you're you're one and three start. You're only three games out of the lead in the SEC. But man, you know the the real storyline in the SEC is what the hell is happening to Kentucky. Kentucky lost to South Carolina last night inside Rupp Arena for the first time in 14 years. It had been two it was 2009 the last time South Carolina went inside Rupp Arena and beat Tennessee. Under a first year head coach at that. Ever since John Calipari got this lifetime contract of his Kentucky fan base is, hasn't hasn't been too thrilled with the results. But here's the question. Your athletic department signed the man to a lifetime contract. Can you fire a man that has a lifetime contract? I, I would I would venture to say no. That's interesting. That's a slippery slope. But man, Kentucky is struggling right now. They're one and three in the SEC as well. And uh, outside of Oscar Tashibwe, they haven't had much consistency. So interested to see how that's going to to play out for John Calipari and the Kentucky Wildcats. You know, looking at some top stories, Lamar Jackson still not practicing with the Baltimore Ravens due to that injury that he suffered a few weeks ago. As of right now, he's listed as doubtful for Sunday night's playoff game against Cincinnati. But Tyler Huntley on schedule to play? I mean, better than what they had, right? Better than Anthony Miller or or whatever the, the young man's name was that, that played for the Lions. I mean for the for the Ravens this past weekend. Anthony Brown, excuse me. He's still limited with that wrist, though. Uh, and that's fair. But, God, I mean, at least at least Tyler Huntley's been around longer and, and, and probably knows a little bit more of the offense than... I guess, but what you've seen so far from when he's played these last few weeks? Man, I remember... Do you have any confidence? I remember last year when Tyler Huntley came in for an injured Lamar Jackson. Go figure. Yeah. And they and, played the Bengals, and it was like, wow. And he played pretty well. Yeah, he played well for the few games. And I remember looking, saying, man, I wonder what the Saints would look like if Tyler Huntley was their quarterback. 
Walmart Lamar. Like it it it, it could work. I don't want them no, anymore. No, you I don't, don't want them anymore. You don't want them. Nope, sure don't. Speaking of wants and about the Saints, looking at a poll question no, of the day. No, keep those cameramen away. The, que- the the poll question of the day is, the Saints are one of the four teams as an option to do hard knocks. Do you want to see them do it? Looking at the poll question results so far, it's leaning a lot towards the people are about it. 73%. Then 9% say no, please, no. And then the rest, the final 18% say they don't care either way. They don't think it affects anything. I, I, don't, I don't. Which, if you look at the history, there are a few times where teams still have a good overall record and have a good season. There have been Like the f- first year that they did hard knocks with the Ravens. They went 10-6 and six in they 2001. Went, they went 10-6. and six, And then the Cowboys in 2002 went 5-11. and 11. And then it took... It took Five years off, they came back in 2007 with the Chiefs. The Chiefs went four and twelve, and then the Cowboys went nine and seven and missed the playoffs. And then the Bengals went ten and six, and then the Jets went eleven and five. Now eleven and five, pretty good. That's not too shabby. That's a real. That's a pretty good record. Dolphins come back, go seven and nine. The Bengals win, go eleven and five in 2013. The Falcons go six and ten, missing the playoffs. The Texans went nine and seven in 2015. The Rams went four and twelve. The Bucks went five and eleven. The Browns went seven, eight, and one. The Raiders went seven and nine. And then in 2020, that was the first year where the Chargers had moved to LA. So they did both the Rams and the Chargers. The Rams went ten and six. And then the Chargers went seven and nine. And then last year, the Cowboys went twelve and five. Now 12 and, then, and 5. And then for this year, the Cardinals went 4 and 13. Correct. See the pattern? Every now and again, there's a good te- there's a good record. But then it's followed by like three straight years of teams that missed the playoffs. So, and then not, not to mention, to be eligible to be on hard knocks, you have to be pretty bad. Like they're not just going to throw the defending Super Bowl champs up on hard knocks. Like that's not how that works. The four teams that are eligible are the Jets, the Commanders, the Saints, and the Broncos. All teams that are missing the playoffs. <laughs> I believe are, are the four. Um, so, so no, I, I don't want hard knocks. Remember the Madden curse? No, it's Bears, Saints, Jets. Bears, Saints. You remember? But still, all of them have right, missed right. the playoffs. Bad teams missed the playoffs. Remember the Madden curse where the players that would be on the Madden cover always got hurt? Mm-hmm. Always. Every single time. Or maybe not necessarily hurt, but there would be something very unfortunate. Or they that had would, a terrible season or That, that ruined the season. I, I'm starting to believe there might be a hard knocks curse. I don't want it. Nope. Keep that away. The Saints have never been on hard knocks, and they're not going to start now. I feel like the most likely candidate... That they would end up going with would be the Jets now because ha- because being able to film the whole process and like looking at this kind of not necessarily QB controversy right now but I think could be one very soon is the Jets and seeing what unfolds with with Zach Wilson and the Jets. Yeah, I think that I think that's what would be best to like kind of have for ratings television to make for drama. Now let me tell you this: 
if HBO continues the trend of what they started this year with the hard knocks in season, like they did with the Cardinals this past year, if you wanted to do that with the Saints, I feel like that's a little different. The training camp one, though, no, stay away. I don't, I don't want that. That That's just a distraction. And in, in a year where Alvin Kamara looked in the eyes of media members and said that training camp practices were super laid back and well, it would be even worse if, if you had camera crews everywhere. No. Nope. Keep. No. Don't want it. Do not want it. What I do want, though, the Houston Texans announced today that they have asked and received permission to interview Sean Payton for their head coaching vacancy. Now, here's why it's important for the Saints. James, the Texans might be the best-case scenario for the Saints. Because it's an AFC team, so you wouldn't see Sean very often. And they got a lot of draft capital. A lot of first-round draft capital. Yeah. They have picks 2 and 12 in this year's draft. You're not going to get 2. No. But you could get 12. It's a more likely uh, scenario to get. You could get 12. They're also, I, I think at this point, Brandon Cooks has shown so much disinterest in being on the team anymore Correct. that they're probably going to trade him this offseason to somebody so that it'll be even more draft capital. Correct. Probably not a first-rounder. You'll, pro- you'll probably get a third for Brandon you, Cooks. You might get a third at this point in, in Brandon's career. Yeah, you'll probably get a third for Brandon Cooks. But it'll be more draft capital for them to work with. I, I could I could see twelve the 12th pick I want your, for the Saints being a part of the trade. I want, I want the 12th pick, and then I want your third-rounder. And you can have Sean. If, if, if Sean's 100% not coming back to New Orleans, give me the 12th overall, give me your third rounder. You got a deal. He's yours. If he goes to the AFC, I'm fine with that. I really am. I want to see Sean Payton coach in the NFL again. I don't, I wanna, just don't, I don't want to play him in the NFC. I just don't want to play him. I want to play him as little as possible. That's what I want. Like There, there was talks of him going to Carolina. Oh, my God. No. No, please no. Uh, I would. I and then would. Arizona is one of the hot names at the moment. Don't want that either. That's better than the division, but, but still. But the Cardinals, their only first round pick this year is the third overall pick. It's true. That's true. And it's like, does Arizona really want to part with the third overall pick? No, I don't think they want to. No, I think they trade down. I think they'd be willing to trade down, but I don't think that they're willing to trade it in and get Coach Sean Payton for it. Correct. Ralph chimes in. I watched 17 weeks of Hard Knocks this season live. Don't need to see part two. Besides, if you mention the Saints and Hard Knocks in the same in the same breath, it probably means a season-ending injury. I mean, that's, that's very fair. That's very, very fair. We'll take a time out here when we return. James and I have audio from Saints exit interviews that we will get to. We also have Cajuns basketball and a jersey retirement in the Chuck this weekend. We'll talk about it all next here on The Game. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
Now look, Christmas might be over, but here at the game, we're still in the spirit of giving. If you enter the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com, here is just a few of the things that you could win. A $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cyber's Bayou Casino Resort. A $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen, also at Cyber's Bayou Casino Resort. A $40 gift card to Misfits Dine and Drink in Broussard. Or a $50 gift certificate to Richard's Seafood Patio in Abbeville. Great stuff, right? Great restaurants, great everything. I mean, we, we know how to eat food in South Louisiana. However, these great prizes... You have to sign up for the Game Rewards Club to get them. How do you do that? 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's easy. So sign up today. 422 here on your Who Dat Wednesday. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 337-706-0111 is the number to call on the game hotline. Yesterday, Dennis Allen met with the media one final time during the 2022 season. And here was the head coach's opening statement. Certainly, you know, there'll be a lot of things going on uh, as we begin to get into this, you know, off season. Um, you know, we'll sit down over the course of this next week and, and really discuss. When I say we, I'm talking about myself, Mickey, uh, Michael Parent, and Jeff Ireland, Kai, uh, the powers that be. We'll sit down and discuss uh, the season. Um, we'll, we'll look at every aspect of our of our team, of our operation, uh, where, where are places that we need to improve, um, and then we'll come up with a plan moving forward. Um, you know, obviously disappointed in, in the record. Um, I don't feel like that's, well, it's certainly not the standard uh, that we want to be uh, here. Our, our, our goal is, is to uh, win championships here, and so, um, this year in that regard was not good enough. And uh, I think we all know that. And we're going to work extremely hard this offseason to, to get those things fixed and put ourselves back in a position where we're competing for championships. You know, when you look at the Saints roster, there, there's a lot of young pieces with, with Chris Olave and Rashid Shaheed and Alante Taylor and Pete Warner and, you know, multiple others. Uh, so from that aspect, the Saints are in a good spot with young pieces to build around for the future. Yeah, well, look, I think there's I think there's a young nucleus of players that I think we can build on going forward. You know, I was I was pleased with you know the way that we you know kind of changed the tide a little bit defensively. I thought as you know the last half of the season, I thought we were one of the better defenses in in our league, and so I think there's some some foundational pieces that we can that we can build on. Uh, certainly, we've got to we've got to do a better job of finishing. I think I said that last night, you know, there, there's, you know, I can think of Cincinnati, Tampa, this last game against Carolina, go back early in the year against Minnesota. I think there were some opportunities for us to close some games out and finish some games. We didn't get that done. And so that's, that's going to be an area that if we can learn how to, how to finish games and close some of those games out, you know, not only this season, but seasons in the future will be different. James, how excited are you about this young core of of Saints players coming in or you know hanging around for the future. I'm excited for a lot of them. I mean, people before the season even started, they were worried about Pete Warner because they were still worried, oh, Saints don't have Quan Alexander anymore. 
what are the Saints going to do outside of Demario Davis at the linebacker position? And I was completely fine with Pete Warner because what he had shown, same thing with Caden Ellis, what he had shown this year. It's like they, they have been keeping them secret and have like made sure that other pe- other teams don't know about how good these players are, and they've stepped up when you really need to. So I really like what you can see out of Pete Warner. I'm excited what I can see out of Chris Olave. We saw a lot of good this year. He's the second player in Saints history. Or he's the third overall in Saints history to have at least 1,000 yards in their rookie season. He had the second most. He had a couple more yards than Colston in his rookie year in 2006. But there's a lot to look at with Chris because he made a lot of catches and he had a lot of targets. But he didn't bring in as many as he should have. And then at certain points... He got a little careless. Like, he, he kind of just didn't worry about the ball in his hands. Like, we had seen it in the Panthers game where he's making a move. He's trying to get to the sideline. He had beat the guy originally, C.J. Henderson, for the Panthers. But then C.J. comes back and makes some fumble because he's worried about the guy in front of him and not he, he wasn't looking his peripheral vision. And then looking back at week two, when, he finally, when Jameis finally made the connection on the deep ball, they finally did it. But what happens? His elbow hits the ground and it forces the fumble and the Bucks pick it up. So whatever momentum they would have had on that drive to keep themselves in the game, they lost it. So there, there's been really good stuff out of some of these players, but then there's also a lot to improve on. But, I mean, that's just because they're still young. They're still learning. So changing the subject for, for a moment, uh, breaking news out of LSU. Oh. Quarterback Walker Howard has entered the transfer portal. Oh, really? Broke about nine minutes ago from Mike Scarborough over at Tiger Bait. Walker Howard is departing LSU after just one season. He will enter the transfer portal. Um, so maybe that means Garrett Nussmeyer is not going anywhere. But you also, one thing that probably could factor into that is obviously Daniels and Nussmeyer returning for the spring season. And then you also have Ricky Collins coming in, who will also participate in spring practice for the Tigers. And then next January, you're going to have Colin Hurley, who is a five-star quarterback, walk into LSU. Uh, so Walker Howard has decided to enter the transfer portal. James, um, I'm going to throw this out there, and it's not going to come to it's not going to come as a surprise to where I think he could end up. Don't be surprised if he ends up at TCU. Yeah, go follow Jack Besh. They were very close in high school. They were very close at LSU. Don't don't be surprised if he if he winds up playing for Sunny Dykes at TCU. Uh, but uh, obviously, a huge huge shock to the to the LSU quarterback room this afternoon. As, as again, Walker Howard has entered the transfer portal after just one season in Baton Rouge, where a year ago he was the number one dual-threat quarterback in the country. So getting back to the Saints now, you know, Dennis Allen, again, talking with the media, he talked about the biggest factors in their offensive struggles in 2022, from injuries to two different quarterbacks to to everything in between, Um, you know, what factors led to to the struggles on offense? Yeah, there's. I think there was a a lot of factors that go into that. Um, you know, there was a lot of injury issues. Um, 
you know, you lose a number one receiver for most of the year. Um, had a lot of injuries on, on the offensive line up front. Um, and we weren't able to make some of these critical plays in, in, uh, in critical times uh, that could have, whether it be finished off drives and scoring, uh, closing out games, some of those things, um, you know, we weren't, we weren't good enough in those areas. We'll take a time out when we return. We will talk more about the Saints. We'll hear from Chris Olave and Cam Jordan as well, and much more right here on the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. A shot to left field. Going back on it's Gordon. He'll look up at the corner. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A big story out of college baseball today. The NCAA Division I Council has approved a measure to turn all volunteer positions into full-time coaching positions without recruiting restraints. All volunteers will officially become full-time coaches on July 1st, 2023. That is a big move in the world of college baseball and and college athletics in general. Speaking of Walker Howard leaving LSU, Florida's quarterback prospect Jaden Rashada has requested that the NCAA let him out of his national letter of intent. Yikes. All respect to Billy Napier, obviously, but this has been an offseason to forget for the Florida Gators. Um, and and that's that's all I'm really going to say on that. Uh, that's just a uh, an interesting predicament there to have your top quarterback recruit want out of his national letter of intent. Ralph comments on the Walker Howard news and said, would you rather Daniels for one more year or Howard for three? I know what I'd pick. Howard for three. I would rather Howard for three. And look, not knocking Jane Daniels. Love what Jane Daniels did for LSU this year. And I have high expectations for what he's going to do for LSU in 2023. Walker Howard under Brian Kelly can be an elite college football quarterback. Elite. And I I real I hope that th- this doesn't hurt LSU, but this is huge. Him walking away and and leaving LSU is huge for the LSU football program. And and right now I would venture to say that it is it is huge and not in a good way. So interested to see how, how that develops. TCU has been labeled as the favorite to land the former St. Thomas More superstar quarterback. Let's go to the game hotline. Jay, what's up? If, uh, what, you, if you, what you just said was true, why he's not saying that? If you feel that he could be the top quarterback under uh, Kelly, well, he should wait one year and become this quarterback for the next three years. Why not say this? 
probably the biggest reason is because one of his best friends just transferred to TCU, and he knows that he has an opportunity oh, to go on. play there now. Oh, <laughs> so you're going to leave LSU for TCU because of a friend? I'm not leaving the SEC if I if I know that I'm a if I'm a if I have this this world type talent that you're saying that he has, or what he could, what or what he could become under uh, Kelly. Obviously, Kelly. Why Kelly's not trying to? Hey, man, nah, stay, man. Hey, you, you need to stay. I mean that that's you know it. it, it that's... I, to be honest with you, to be honest with you, I'm not surprised, man. I'm not surprised that I already knew that he was never going to start a game at LSU. You know, I understand that this this station shows uh being broadcast uh, St. Thomas More games. I know that we're not going to go at him because it's St. Thomas More or whatever, but I had a feeling that he was never going to play a down for LSU. I don't know why, but I just had that feeling. And now, and when Daniels came, uh, coming back. So like so, he, so the, the, the freshman or, or the high school five-star recruit that was one of the top three quarterbacks in the country, that before Brian Kelly took the job at LSU, Kelly tried to flip him to Notre Dame. You didn't think he was going to play under Brian Kelly? Yeah, I felt that way. Interesting. Yes. Interesting. Well, it's, it's, yeah, interesting that he's uh, also that he's also in the transfer portal. So obviously, he's not going to play for Brian Kelly. Well, entering the transfer portal doesn't mean that he's not coming back. True. He he could easily True. wind back but, up in Baton Rouge in two weeks. He's weighing his options. Yeah, but hey, like you said, his best friends in uh, Fort Worth. So we'll see. You have a good one. Thank you. I mean, look. If you're Walker Howard, yes, it's LSU and it's the SEC, and that's all fine and dandy. But if I've... You just saw TCU go to the national championship. And not only did TCU go to the national championship game, they don't have a quarterback. Their quarterback's going to the NFL. And I don't think that they're going to – I mean, they may go back to Chandler Morris if that's, you know, their their only option at this point. But, I mean, if you're Walker Howard, look, I've got a friend that just went to, to TCU. They've got a good receiver core. They air the ball out, which is my style of play. And, oh, yeah, they've had success. And and they, and, a, and they got an opening at quarterback. And I could play as a freshman? I mean, come on. You can't blame the kid. And, and you know, I, I know that he's got serious ties to LSU with his dad playing there and, and everything else. But at the end of the day, college football is a business. It is a business decision. If Walker Howard currently feels that the best opportunity for him is elsewhere he's going to go elsewhere six months ago LSU could have been the best option for him hell six weeks ago LSU could have been the best option for him but that is how quickly things change in the landscape of college football you can't harp a kid for wanting to do what what he thinks is best for him if he's wrong you know he, he learns that he learns that lesson. But, again, if he thinks it's what's best for him and his family thinks it's what's best for him, he's not going to stay in Baton Rouge. It, it's just That's just how it works. Um, and, and I think that that's going to hurt LSU to lose them, to lose him. 
I like Garrett Nussmeyer. I think Garrett Nussmeyer's got immense potential. But at the end of the day, you're also bringing in guys like Ricky Collins and Colin Hurley. Does Garrett Nussmeyer even play for LSU? I don't know. So, uh, again, the, the potential that Walker Howard has and how much Brian Kelly clearly wanted him, because, again, Brian Kelly tried everything in his power to pull him another day. Three weeks before Walker signed his letter of intent with LSU, he had an official visit to Notre Dame. Brian Kelly did everything in his power. So it's an interesting development to to see Walker enter the transfer portal like this. But again, that's not ruling out that he doesn't just come back to LSU. Some kids enter the transfer portal, weigh their options, see what's out there, and they realize, oh, you know what, I'm good where I'm at, a.k.a. Grayson McCall. He entered the transfer portal at Coastal when they underwent a coaching change. He did some interviews. He took some visits. Said, you know what? I'm, I'm good at Coastal Carolina. Came back. It happens all the time. So, again, this isn't saying that Walker Howard is 100% leaving Baton Rouge, but TCU sounds like a really, really good fit for the young man. So, again, we'll, we'll keep you updated as that story unfolds. Dennis Allen again talked with the media and he shared his thoughts on Trevor Penning's performance as well as the Liz Frank injury that he suffered in the game on Sunday. Trevor's got Trevor's going to have surgery. He's, he, he had a Liz Frank injury much similar to uh, Caesar. Um, but the question was asked of me last night, what I think about how he played. I got a chance to watch the tape, and I thought he played really well. I was highly encouraged by uh, the way he played. Uh, the left tackle position. He got beat inside one on, on an inside pass rush fairly early in the game. I thought he made a great adjustment afterwards, and I love the player's mentality about the way he plays the game. He plays the game tough, physical. He plays it nasty with a with a lot of lot of lot of tenacity. James, what are your thoughts on Walker Howard entering the transfer portal? Well, when you first told me, I was honestly in utter shock. I was like, I don't know how to process this because that is not what I anticipated I really I I honestly thought Garrett Nussmeyer of the three quarterbacks was the most likely to transfer yeah I, I thought the hierarchy of chance to transfer would have been Nussmeyer you would have had to default to put Walker Howard as number two because if you're Jane Daniels you're not coming back to LSU just to transfer correct so it, that that would have been a hierarchy and I and it, to me it would have been a large margin of difference I would have totally expected Garrett to leave because we had heard rumblings before. We had, we had heard a lot of rumors that we could see Garrett leave, but see any, he, and he still hasn't yet. No. And, so, and, and now he's not going to, and now you don't at this point. So it makes things interesting because now you probably don't really kind of hit on getting really a major quarterback again until next season. Yeah. Because you got Jane for this year and then and you, then the next you would, year, you would think you would think you have Garrett for Garrett Nussmeyer for at least a year. The next year would be a Garrett Nussmeyer Ricky Collins quarterback battle. So is what that would be. It would make things really interesting. But no, I I thought with with how fast Walker Howard had committed to LSU and Brian Kelly, I thought it was just a done deal. I and I, then I, I kind of signed sealed. Knock it out! Don't even look at that again. But and then all the obviously, obviously, it doesn't matter how early you sign. 
players players still could easily last minute be like, eh, I kind of want to go somewhere else. And then or what, I want to I want to see other options. What What's crazy is the amount of praise that Brian Kelly gave Walker Howard right? all season the, long. Being all like, season long, he's made great progress. He's really learned the system a lot faster than we anticipated he would. I remember in the spring after the spring game, somebody had asked him about Walker Howard, and he goes, "Man, that kid's special. He catches things in practice that." Us coaches don't even see. And we're like, how did we miss that? He, he said the, the the kid just gets it. And now now he he's he's gone. Jordy Collada described it as L, an LSU fan's worst nightmare has come true. It, I mean it, it, this is because you you thought you thought you had 2024, 2025. Like a lot Walker Howard was the future. You, he you was going to play you, for three years. You thought you had him, and then all of a sudden, I want to go see other places. Absolutely, absolutely wild. Demario uh, Davis also met with the media and said that he is, quote, optimistic heading into the offseason. There shouldn't be nothing but optimism. Um, this is a, this is a, a, a top organization. Um, I think it, it, it begins at the top. Uh, with ownership, you're not going to find uh, anybody more caring of a city, um, and more passionate about the city and its people and its fans um, than Miss Benson. And so, anytime you have an owner like that, she's going to want what's best for the city, and the city wants the Saints to do well. So, she's going to do everything she can to make sure that that's happening. Um, you have a great uh, executive staff that, that has done a great job of constantly finding ways to keep this locker room full of talent. And so you're going to be able to, every year you're going to have some of the best players on your team, and not all teams have that. I played on some teams that didn't have a lot of, a lot of talent in the locker room, and this, and this, this team has always been star-studded. Um, and then you got a coaching staff that's going to work day and night to try to figure out the best way to put the team in the best position to win. And so um, I think this team is built, built for success and longevity. So um, it's unfortunate. Nobody likes to lose. Nobody hates losing more than the people in this locker room. Um, but it's, 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 it's much more than enough reasons to be optimistic. So, James, before we take a timeout, a, a quick update for your Celtics tonight, who hosts the Pelicans. Marcus Smart and Rob Williams are out. Yeah, it seemed that they were day-to-day, and I wasn't too optimistic that they bah. were going to be able to suit up bah. tonight. Bah. Darn. Darn, darn, darn. And one more thing uh, with the Walker Howard stuff, and then I'll get away from it until we talk to Coke Riley at the top of the hour. Jack Besh retweeted the tweet about Walker Howard tran- entering the transfer portal with the with the eyes emoji. I, I think he knows something. They're currently on the phone. <laughs> I think he knows something. <laughs> They're currently FaceTiming each other. We'll take a timeout wrap-up hour number one right after this here on The Game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the Fighting Tigers of LSU and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station over watching a mandated webinar at work. Well, thank you, everyone, for coming to this exciting meeting today to discuss... Take that, productivity in the workplace. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time right now, 453. 
for the next couple of minutes, let's talk about the New Orleans Pelicans, Matt, as they take on the best yeah. team in the NBA right now, the Boston Celtics. Oh, that's that's biased. That is biased they, coming they, out of your mouth. Do they not have the number one record? Uh, I mean, that's factual. It's pretty actual factual. That That's actual factual. But then in the West, the Pels are third. They're still third in the West. Yeah, they Only are. a couple games behind. Yeah, they are. So they're they're pretty close as well. Now you had just mentioned that Marcus Smart and Rob Williams are not going to be suiting up tonight, but New Orleans as well. They got a few key pieces that are not, that have not been suiting up either. Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson. Uh, You've been seeing kind of a minutes restriction with Herb Jones. Yeah, Herb Jones is listed as day to day. Brandon Ingram is out. Uh, Zion Williamson's still out. EJ Liddell, in case you didn't know, he's still out. Um, Najee Marshall, though, he's hey, been absolutely killing I'm, it. I'm, I'm, I'm liking, I'm liking what I've seen out of Najee. Najee has really blossomed. Najee has been impressive. Uh, Herb Jones is listed as doubtful for tonight. So, take take with that what you will. Uh, but no, you know, you talked about Najee. You talked about CJ McCollum. Uh, one guy that has kind of flown under the radar with how good he's been this year James let's talk about Trey Murphy Trey Trey used to be kind of, we a lot of us labeled him as just a three-point shooter but when you watch kind of like the highlights and kind of go back to the games you see him have a lot of a presence in the paint yeah like he attacks the rim a lot more often than you think he would for a sharpshooter yeah he, but he but he still takes those 27-footers. Like, if you watch him when he shoots, it doesn't matter. He'll still take a 27-28-footer and still knock it down. Yep. Nothing but net. So, yep. Trey has been absolutely phenomenal in the second year, no doubt. He's he's really shown that he can do more than just shooting from behind the arc. Jonas Valanciunas is another guy that has just been super impressive to, to me. So, we, we talked about availability being the best ability. The, the man has started and played every game this season. Has not missed a game. And in that time frame, he's averaging 14 points and 10 rebounds. He's averaging a double-double. What more do you want from your big man? He's on the floor. He scores. He gets boards. What, what, what do you want? And it's funny because even last year, he was super reliable then. He only had missed eight games. He, he averages half a block a game. He averages a third of a steal a game. I mean, like, what 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 more do you want from your center? He, he's been impressive. Um, but, yeah, you know, you're going to have to depend on Valanchunas. You're going to have to depend on C.J. McCollum. And then your young guys, Trey Murphy, Najee Marshall, Jose Alvarado. You know, those guys are really going to have to contribute for you down this back stretch without – Zion and and Ingram. How do you like Jonas's chances of having a huge impact in this game? As you don't, the Celtics aren't going to have Rob Williams tonight, but I, they can still go to the ageless wonder and Al Horford, who has only he, he's kind of been like wine. He's only gotten better with age. Yeah, you know Horford's been impressive this year, but I I think the Valanciunas Horford matchup might favor Valanciunas a little bit because like even then. The Celtics like to switch around a lot. Yeah, they like they're a big switch on defensive team. I think I think you could catch some mismatches with Jonas, and he could have a big night. One thing you do have to worry about though, 
is Grant Williams. He's only six five, but he is a force. I just I, I just traded for him in my franchise actually. Um, I, I got how him. you liking him so far? Uh, he's he's pretty solid. <laughs> yeah, solid. He, he play he plays on the inside, and then if, if you need to drift him off to the corner to knock down a three, he's he does there. it. He's there for you too. I like it. Good 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 pickup. I got him for like a second round pick. He's so. a classic three and D guy. He's totally fine with me. Hour number one in the books in hour number two. Going to kick it off with Cokie Riley of the USA Today Network. And then Brendan Ertle will join us at 530 for Who Dat Wednesday. Right here on The Game in Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's our number two of Crunch Time here on The Game. It's 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and World Series champion Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, The Game Hotline. Is 337-706-0111. And as a reminder, here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast, Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. We were supposed to have Koki Riley to kick off our number two, but breaking news in the LSU football world means that the LSU football beat writer is a little busy at the moment. So he's going to join us at 515 here in the next segment. But, you know, going to that top story, Walker Howard has entered the transfer portal. Uh, Right now, the belief is that TCU is the favorite to land him, which just makes a ton of sense if he's going to leave LSU. TCU makes a lot of sense. Uh, Pass first offense. His friend is there. He has the opportunity to play now. Uh, they just had a whole lot of success. Things of the and and it's not far from home. It's a big factor for for, for kids nowadays. Uh, looking at the poll question: Do you want to see the Saints do hard knocks next season? So far, fifty percent of you say that you're about it. Twenty five percent of you say no, please no. Twenty five percent say you don't, you don't care either way. Uh, LC. <clears throat> Chimes in says, I can't believe I voted on I'm About It solely because the way it was typed out. We bout it. I, I, I just don't want it. Now, I just find that's a, that's a, that's a funny reason to answer that. <laughs> Brendan brought up a good point. This team, Brendan Ertle, that is, who, who's joining us at 530. This team might just need something different. Something new. Since Hard Knocks has never done the New Orleans Saints, who knows? It might be a blessing. I don't think that it would be. I don't know how it would be. I think it's nothing but a distraction. And for a team that struggled this year, I don't, I don't think you need more distractions. And I, know, and I know you'll have cameras on you, especially during a game when you know fans are taking videos of you because, like, oh, you're their favorite players on their favorite team. And I get that, but it's like it's a it's a different thing whenever you're in a locker room. You're just at the facility itself, kind of just doing whatever. Like even if you're a coach, you're doing stuff in your office and like you're doing cut down day or whatever. 
and you you got NFL guys in the in the room, kind of just standing on the court, like, "Hey, don't mind us. Like, just pretend we're not there." It's kind of hard not to, unless you've been doing this for years and years and years, and you're a you're like a movie or a TV star. Like that's something that really it still sticks in the back of your mind, and even though you want to subconsciously like knock it out, it's kind of hard to. That's something that you're gonna see. You're still gonna look at it and be like, "I'm about to tell this player like he's not gonna make the team." Or I gotta really ha- I gotta have a serious conversation with this player, or I, I really gotta get on them on a practice. Correct. But I know it's going to be recorded because I have a mic on, and they're gonna be focused on it as I'm telling this player like, "Hey, you did this wrong. I need you to improve on this better when you're doing this." Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and it's just it's one of those things where you know you, you talked about the cameras, and obviously that's that's a thing in the NFL, right? Whether it be like you're you're used to. You're used to certain cameras. Correct. Because there are cameras on the field near the sideline taking pictures of you in the middle of a play. But this is HBO. They are going to be in your face. Correct. In every meeting. You are mic'd up. You are mic'd up 24-7. Like, this this is a different different beast. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think that a team who just finished their first season with a new head coach that struggled in that first season. I don't think they need this extra they don't, up. They don't need this extra type of publicity. Correct. The Correct. only publicity I want for the Saints is for them to be like, oh, wow, they're they're making this move and they're winning these games. Not, oh, look, we we saw another fight break out and we got uh, like just stuff about Dennis Allen talking to other coaches about this in a meeting. Correct. Like, I, I don't want to hear about that. No. I, I don't want that because you're to me every time you see that from a coach and other players it kind of feels like they get more on their P's and Q's and they also try to sound maybe a little more politically correct a little more polished or they try to sound yeah. a little more polished yep and like kind of play it up for the yep. cameras absolutely and and that's not the point of hard knocks it's like you're supposed to be hidden, but it's like we, we know you're there, right? So it, it never feels like it's going to be automatically authentic. So it's a cool idea in theory, but to me, it just hasn't worked for most teams. No, it it has not. Um, and, and then you know another thing, while we're on the subject of the NFL, good news continues to to pour in for for one Demar Hamlin. Uh, shortly after being released from the Cincinnati hospital. He returned to Buffalo and was admitted into a hospital in Buffalo for further testing and evaluation. This morning, he was released from the Buffalo Hospital and is now at home with his family. Doctors say that they are very confident that he can continue his rehabilitation on his own and with the Bills. So, James, I know this is kind of quick, what do you think the chances are that maybe DeMar Hamlin standing on the sidelines on Sunday? I don't know about this Sunday. I think he'd probably maybe be in the press box. Or, or in the stadium. I, th- I think what, he, What's the likelihood he's there? I think there's a, there's a solid chance that he could be in the stadium on Sunday. That would be... Could, could you imagine the, the roar of the crowd when the, the Jumbotron in, in Orchard Park... Turns to a to a suite, and there's Demar Hamlin and his family. 
That place is going to go nuts. As it as it very well should. Um but man, what a what an incredible turn of events for the Buffalo Bills to get DeMar Hamlin, you know, back and in the facility and close to home and knowing that he's going to be okay, uh, which is which is just huge, and I would not want to be anyone in the path of Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. Just going to throw that out now. Miami, without Tua? Probably without Teddy B? Yikes. Since our latest update with the poll question, the I'm about it option on do you want to see the Saints – be on hard knocks next year. It's only half now. At I'm about it. One fourth says no, please no, and then the other fourth doesn't care either way. You had talked about Ralph previously. Previously, you talked about LC's comment, and then looking at Blaine, he said hell no. Daniel said no, and then Mike said hell to the no. So don't want it, it's starting to uh, uh, people are starting to be like okay, actually uh, people are starting to look at it like nah. Don't I don't, don't want it. I don't want that type of publicity. Don't want it. Uh, Monday, Bob Marlin and Gary Broadhead met with the media talking Raging Cajuns basketball. And tomorrow night, the men will be up in Monroe to take on the Warhawks. And Bob Marlin gave his thoughts on the matchup versus ULM. They struggled in non-conference. They lost one of their better players in all-conference preseason pick to a knee injury in December. And they they come out in conference the first road game was uh, like us was on the road the first conference game was at Texas State and they shoot 24% and win the game just through toughness and and making the game ugly something that Keith does a really good job of but always very tough and they'll play extremely hard they win that game shooting 24% they they have to bus all the way to Jonesboro and they go up there and shoot 12 for 21 from three and we've done that here. You guys have seen it. I mean, that, that'll separate a game and win a game for you, especially on the road. So they're, they're playing better than they beat Georgia State and lost to Southern Miss. But they're playing better, Kevin. Uh, their rotation, their guards are playing better, LaCour and Blackman. And their rotation has really been cut, cut down, and they're only playing six or seven guys. Bob Marlin also talked about what he can take away from the two wins at home this past weekend over Southern Miss and Georgia State. Yeah, just so we've got to play better. We, we've got to continue to improve and share the ball. And uh, Dan and I were talking about a minute ago, be adaptable to the game. The game changes, the way it's called changes throughout the 40-minute period. we just got to continue to keep adjusting and, and make shots, play good defense. It's really a simple game. And then Bob Marlin was also asked, you know, Winning like that at home, especially against a team like Georgia State, that's kind of been a rivalry of sorts for you, and they've really had your number, including taking you down in the Sunbelt Championship game last year. After that kind of win, where is the team's confidence? We talked about confidence a lot last week, Matt, and we said that uh, you know preparation fuels confidence, and then preparation can be your separation, too. It's an old uh, Peyton Manning quote. So uh, I think that's been a big part of it. But we're shooting the ball with confidence. I feel like we're in a good place. And we just have to continue to get as many games as we can. And then we'll add them all up at the end. 
And then on the other side, for the Cajun women, Gary Broadhead was asked what was the biggest takeaway from their road trip that had them going to Hattiesburg, Mississippi, losing to Southern Miss by one, and then going all the way to San Marcos, Texas, and beating the Bobcats by 20. Man, it was just fun uh, Saturday to see a team. You know, we went through a little shoving match or whatever uh, when one of our kids on the ground, a big kid lands on her, and they push each other. And it, it, we, the referees separate us, and they put us in a huddle. And just to see the excitement that those kids have on how they want to win, man. They work, they work, you know, and so my, all my thought process was watching. I was in the middle of them, and, I mean, they're jumping up and down. Let's go. Let's not worry about what's what's going on with the other team. Let's worry about uh I mean I could just all I could hear is that. And so the growth of to me to me is that's more important than the wins, is the growth of a person. And you know, I saw all of them, even the freshmen were involved in it too. So, you know, I thought that that's the biggest thing that I'm taking away is we're growing as a team. I mean, we talk about player led. I mean, I know Kevin, you hear that all the time from us. We, we trying to be player-led, and I think that was one of the games that we were player-led. You know, coaches kind of kind of were able to sit back and see the excitement of the kids wanting to play together and to, wanting to win, you know, just wanted, hey, what, we, what, what do we need to do to win, you know, and I think that's the biggest thing I'm seeing right now. Tune in tonight from 6 to 7 for the McNeese Coaches Show, presented by Maplewood Burgers, line of bed out of Westlake and the Southwest Louisiana Law Center. Jim Gazzolo will be talking all things Cowboys, so tune in tonight starting at 6 for the McNeese Coaches Show right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. James, according to a fan graph, this is which NBA fan bases complain about the referees the most? The Celtics sit at number 7. <laughs> In the league. Do you want to know where the New Orleans Pelicans are? 28th. 29th. You were close. 29th. Second to last in the league. Only only team that complains less is the Charlotte Hornets. Any guess on who was number one? The Lakers. Actually, no. The Lakers are further down than the Celtics. Uh, number one is the Golden State Warriors. They complain about getting... They complain about the refs the most. Which is interesting, because if you watch any of their offense, all they do is moving screens. So it's like, why are you complaining when they've allowed so much of this? It goes Warriors, Bulls, Cavs, Heat, Nets, Grizzlies, Celtics, Mavs, Lakers, Trailblazers, T-Wolves, Bucks. And then Clippers, Raptors, Kings, Nuggets, Thunder, Knicks, Spurs, Sun, Magic, Pacers, Wizards, Hawk, Jazz... 76ers, Rockets, Pistons, Pelicans, Hornets. Intriguing. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the Pelicans don't have a whole lot to complain about to the referees, other than the fact that Zion never gets calls. But, you know. Can't always get them when he's not on the court. Bingo. Take a time ding, out. Ding, ding, ding. Koki Riley joins us next here on the game. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and World Series champion, Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. 
520 here on your Wednesday. Brendan Ertle joins us in about 15 minutes. But before we do that, Cokie Riley of the USA Today Network takes time out of his super busy schedule to join us. Cokie, I feel privileged that, that you're on the air with us, sir. How are you? <laughs> doing really well. How's it going? Uh, doing fantastic, man. So, you know, breaking news, Walker Howard transferring out of LSU. I'm I'm going to be honest with you, Koki. That came out of left field. Yeah, it is a little bit surprising for sure. Um, but I, I, I think it it is at least uh, at least from what we can tell from the outside, it, it, it is sort of a um, interesting look at you know where Garrett Nussmeyer stands on this roster with on this team heading forward, moving forward. Um, I think it's a really interesting look at you, you know how. Just like all the dynamics of this entire situation, right? Because I think a lot of LSU fans, and probably including myself, and, and I don't think it's too far-fetched in saying this, but I, I think a lot of us expected that Nussmeyer would be the one transferring after Jaden Daniels decided to return to LSU for next season. And um, It looks like it's going to be Howard, and Nussmeyer is going to stick around here for the long haul, which is, uh, I've got to say, that's really interesting. I didn't expect that to happen. Now, you know, a lot of people have already begun to throw around TCU as, as the favorite to land Walker, considering the Jack Besh is there, and they are now in need of a quarterback now that Max Duggan is is declaring for the NFL draft. Uh, so what are your thoughts on uh, Walker Howard possibly going to TCU with Jack Besh? Yeah, um, I, 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 I think it's – honestly, I think it's a really good fit for TCU. Um, I think that – you know, Sam Jackson just entered this transfer portal. He's he's trans he's actually announced this transfer to Cal. He was sort of their young up and coming quarterback. They're sort of Walker Howard, the third string guy. And right now they have a guy in Chandler Morris who actually started was their starter to begin uh this season, uh, before he got hurt and Max Duggan took over his job. Um and retook his job, I should say. So it's not if if when Walker if he heads over there um, then I don't think he'll be, you know, the favorite to start immediately. But he could. But there's certainly a chance that he could. And um, yeah, I think it's a really good fit. Of course, he has that chemistry with Jack Besh from their time at St. Thomas More. So um, I mean, if that happened, I think it. Uh, I think it would make just a lot of sense. Now flipping back over to, to men's basketball, last night falling to to Florida, 67 to 56 for their third straight loss of the season, you know, where do you stand right now on Matt McMahon and this team and, and kind of looking at the last couple of games, what's kind of been going wrong for LSU? Their offense is, their offense is a lot of trouble. Um, they turn over the ball too much. Uh, they don't have enough consistent scoring from the perimeter. And when you don't really have that, that when you, but when you don't really have anyone inside, not just inside as like a traditional post score, since that's not really as much of a feature in today's um, basketball climate. I mean, we don't really have anyone who can pressure the rim as a big man on the pick and roll, and and you can't really and you have trouble shooting threes. Then what's sort of your strength? You know what what do defenses have to really defend if? You're missing your shots to the outside, and you're not really pressuring the rim as a lob threat or a pick and roll threat. So, it's they're they're kind of stuck in, in this tweener zone on offense, and quite simply, they just need to they they just need to shoot the ball better and, and find some sort of spark plug from a one on one scoring perspective. And 
that's why I, I just finished up a piece about Adam Miller and, uh, I I just feel like he's the guy who needs to be a more consistent scorer and a more consistent presence uh, for this offense because his off and on shooting is um, is certainly hurting the team at the moment. Yeah, you know, you you brought up Adam Miller and you know he opened SEC play with he had 15 against Kentucky in in a, in a pretty solid performance and then he had 16 against Texas A and M and then. Last night shoots two of twelve for only eight points. I mean, you, you talked about the consistency. Uh, you know, you talk about Adam Miller, another guy that has kind of been inconsistent for them has been KJ Williams. He had a big night last night, and then Trey Hannibal as well. He he has games where he pops off for twenty, and then you you see two or three games where he doesn't really contribute on the on the point sheet too much. Yeah, um, I, I have a ton of respect for Trey Hannibal. I, I love. Uh, just the sort of explosiveness he has off the dribble, his ability to get to the rim, his fearlessness, his size, his strength, all that sort of stuff. He's an excellent rebounder for a guard as well. But the pro- but his lack of an outside shot is just so obvious, and that's just not, it's it's hard to be able to score consistently when you don't have that, you know. And it's only gonna, it's only harder when say he's on the floor with a guy like Kendall Coleman. Or a guy like Sean Phillips, who they they aren't really floor spacers either. And yes, LSU can design lineups to have you know a guy like KJ Williams and a guy like Derek Fountain on the on the floor, and you know they can go four wide with with Hannibal at the top, just driving away at the basket. But I think I, I think after teams watched the Arkansas game, they sort of figured out that hey, like we need to really back off this guy, and we really need to funnel him once he get once he gets into the paint. And, you kind of saw that against Florida the other night. So he, he, I mean, each of these, I, I guess with each of these guys, I'm just trying to say that like there's, there's, there's like different reasons as to why they've been sort of up and down. I mean, Adam Miller, um, I think a lot of it probably has to do with the fact that, I mean, he didn't play for 18 months uh, because of that torn ACL um, and missed all of last season. So, I, so you can attribute probably. Uh, a chunk of his sort of up and down play to um, uh, missing so much time. Uh, so there's that, and then with a guy like KJ Williams, like KJ Williams was shooting, I want to say, 50 percent from three point range before these last two or three games. So he was kind of he, he, like a guy like him was was destined to start missing some more threes because I'm, I, don't, I don't think anyone can can keep up a 50 percent three point shooting rate. So. Um. Yeah, like they're in. This team's in some trouble, and, and I think Miller really needs to step up and help them, and, and just sort of ease the burden off some of these other guys. Because I feel like KJ Williams is just having to carry so much of this offensive load that I mean, he's a very good player, but I don't, I don't think he's quite National Player of the Year worthy sort of guy who can actually carry that sort of load, you know. Chatting with Cookie Riley of the USA Today Network. You know, Cam Hayes is a name that's been thrown around as, as a mm. kind of quiet role player, uh, averaging close to nine points a game this year, shooting 50% from the field. You know, just kind of talk about the, the spark that he's been able to provide uh, for, for this offense. And then, you know, you talked about this team being in trouble. I don't disagree, but Cokie, the problem is, is that their schedule doesn't get easier. Exactly. Exactly. That's the best. That's why they're in so much trouble. Um, I think this early in the season, I, I probably wouldn't be 
pushing uh, pushing the alarm button as quickly as I am right now if it weren't for the fact that their next four games are Alabama, Auburn, Tennessee, and Arkansas. And half those games are on the road, the Alabama game including them. So I, I it, it's just a lot to – <laughs> trying to figure out your whole figure out your team when these last two games were supposed to be the games you quote unquote should win, right? Um in A and M and Florida. So yeah, I mean they're in trouble in that perspective and I and I just think that um I, I guess and to your other point about Cam Hayes, I mean one of the reasons why their offense probably struggled last night is because Cam Hayes wasn't available. Um I mean he he suffered a leg injury during the during the A&M game I think it was in the second half first half I'm not hard censure uh, again this is just top off the top of my head um but it, yeah like his it, he does you see it in spurts where he can sort of provide that the you know that one-on-one create your own shot sort of ability that this offense desperately needs and that Adam Miller's really been the only one who could even potentially uh, like just sort of applied to this unit. So I I just feel like not having him last night certainly hurt them. But we got to see a little bit more Tyrell Ward, who is another guy, is really sweet. His, his really sweet jump shot um, hit a couple threes last night when the few guys who was in the plus in the plus territory in, the, in terms of plus minus. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think I'd be really interested to see him get more of a run out there, to be honest. Um so yeah, they just need to start throwing stuff at the wall on offense because time's running out, and and this team—it's not like they don't have any talented options to score. Like they do have some options. It's just a matter of getting it to match and hitting enough shots, and 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 just trying to put this thing together before the season sort of spirals out of control. And as we wrap up Saturday at three o'clock, they will take on Alabama inside Coleman Coliseum, which is a very difficult place to play uh, for. For any opposition, Koki, what are your thoughts on this matchup between the Tide and the Tigers? Um, it's, it, it's going to be rough, right? I mean, this Alabama team—they they play excellent defense and they shoot threes, and um, that's sort of the NATO's philosophy. It's a very modern style of playing basketball, and it sort of you know maximizes the numbers. It's analytically friendly, um, so it's not going to be easy. I mean, this team—they they do an excellent job of uh, using. Using using the entire floor and spacing the floor correctly and doing all that sort of stuff, but I mean, it, it, we can talk about Alabama all that we want. Like this LSU team, they aren't going to win these games if they don't score the basketball. And and I mean, a lot of that has to do with them and 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 and, and actually putting the the ball in the basket and and and, and, and actually hitting your open three point shots and um, creating opportunities to get to the rim and. They're just not doing that at the moment. And until they solve that within themselves, then whoever they play against, it's 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 not going to be it's not going to matter as much, you know. So um, yeah, I, I mean, they're in a tough spot right now. That's that, that's just sort of I I I I have trouble feeling overly optimistic um, about them at the moment. Cookie Riley of the USA Today Network joining us here on Crunch Time. Cokie, appreciate you as always. And uh, we'll we'll talk to you again soon, my friend. Awesome. Thanks for having me on again. And there he goes, Cokie Riley of the USA Today Network, covers LSU for the Daily Advertiser. James, you look like a guy that likes to have fun. I mean, I'm just, spit, of course. I'm just spitballing here. Who doesn't love that fun? 
And you also look like a guy. You you look like you're in shape. You you look like you probably go for a run every now and again. Yeah. I don't do it as often, but man, running is fun. So what if I tell what if I told you that you could go on a Mardi Gras themed run? Ooh, that does sound pretty intriguing. Right, right. It's the Lundy Gras Barathon, four miles through Freetown, just south of the Mardi Gras route. And if you wear a costume, James, you can enjoy free drinks served at the Adult Hydration Station. And you know I love free. We love free. We love drinks. I mean... And who doesn't love a good costume? Right. Who doesn't love that fun? Right. It's extra fun on top of the fun. And then a party bus is going to follow. So, you know, say you run a mile and you're like, okay, you know, I'm I'm kind of tired. Maybe maybe this the, these adult drinks are kind of getting to me a little bit. Just jump on. Take a breath. Chill out. And when you're ready to, to, to start moving again, you can just hop off. If, if I was behind the entire time. You can run all, run some, or run none. And there will even be a costume contest, and the audience will vote for the winner. It's the Lundy Gras Barathon. Free drinks, free food, and there's prizes. Oh, my. Register now at latrail.org. We'll take a timeout. Brendan Ertle joins us for Who Dat Wednesday one last time for the 2022 season right here on The Game. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home. For the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Nash. He's going to go. Touchdown, Saints. Who's ready for some New Orleans Saints talk? We are. Here is Who Dat Wednesdays with Canal Street Chronicles' Brendan Ertle on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Brendan Ertle, how is life back up in Oregon, my friend? Life sucks in Oregon. New Orleans is the best, and uh, it, it's never it's never fun to leave that city. Um, but, you know, I'm... I'm Excited for the off season and sort of glad the season's over. Three three days in New Orleans just wasn't long enough, huh? Nah, not I mean, you can do a lot in three days in New Orleans, but definitely not enough. And can't beat the people, the weather, and the food. And there's no place like it. Uh, Except me and one driver, of us. My my Uber driver said that um, uh, Vegas is better, and uh, I took that offensively. And I don't think there's any place better than. Louisiana. He 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 said he said Michael Jordan and I took that personally. Exactly. I did take that personally. Oh man. You know you know what you know what James took personally? You big timing him. I did not. He big timed me actually. How did I big time you? <laughs> he he's up there. He's up there with the press passes and everything and he's like, "Yo, where are you?" I'm like, I, "I'm I'm down like with with the normal people, bro. Like you got to come to me. I can't get up there." When I called you I wasn't even in the stadium yet. I had just parked. I, I, got, I, the, I got there. The I got I got there almost two and a half hours early just to meet you. And you were like, oh, I'm already in the stadium. I'm doing the flags. Well, yep. Uh, that was uh, not planned. And uh, uh, I really did not expect to do the flag, but I did. And then well, I said, wait for me. And you were like, no, nah, I'm already at the hotel. Well, and, 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 <laughs> and I'll tell you, you I'll, I'll tell you why he went to the hotel so quickly. Brendan Ertle was sad that he would have to settle to meet you yeah, instead that, of meeting me. That's what it was, yeah. You're crazy if you if you think I was going to sit through that entire fourth <laughs> quarter, sit in my seat in the dome after we just blew that well, miserable performance, and I don't even get to be in the press conference room. Well, to be fair, there were multiple opportunities by the Saints to actually win the game and actually do something. They just squandered every opportunity. Oh, buddy. Oh, buddy. <laughs> Black and gold forever, am I right? But no. So, 
finished seven and ten in in year one under Dennis Allen, winning three of your last four to to end the season. Obviously, that that one becoming the the final game. But you know, I, I can't believe I'm going to say this as somebody who hounded Dennis Allen all season long. There's positives to build on, Brendan. Uh, there is. There, there 100% is. And you go back and look at the season, and I, some people are making excuses for Dennis. Um, they either want his head off or they want him to stay. Um, I'm not. I, I'm kind of in between. And um, you know, right after the Panthers game, like um, like you guys were saying, I was out of there as fast as possible. Um, I was chilling at the hotel when when I got the Snapchat. He's like, "Rio, where are you at?" I'm like, I'm, I'm done, bro. I'm at the hotel and. I'm getting ready for next year. Um, my emotions were, were at the top. I was like, "We got we got to get rid of Dennis. We got to get rid of Pete. We got to just just get rid of everyone, man." That that was my emotion at that point. And I sit back now and I'm like, "Well, you got to stick with Dennis. It's it's the right move." Uh, and Mickey Loomis is doing the same thing at, right now. He's saying he's going to give it a week uh, to get the emotions out and then make decisions. And I think that's the smart thing to do. A lot of Teams and coaches right now who are just getting rid of their coordinators, their, their coaches, their their video guys, their equipment guys. It just it's just out of emotion, and the season's so up and down. And you either can end it season high like uh, like the Falcons did, or super low like we did. So um, I think it's a smart thing to do to, to hang on to them. And uh, winning three of your last four, you probably should have won four out of your last four. Um, and what, what what really is crazy is. You think about the teams on top of the NFC, Eagles, Vikings, 49ers, top three. Beat the Eagles. We should have beat the 49ers with a better offensive performance. I mean, the defense really shut them down. And, and you probably should have beat the Vikings. a blatant, non-ghost I mean, ghost pass interference call by Tyron and then an iffy call by Lattimore, uh, we beat the Vikings. So we should have beat the three top teams in the NFC with uh, a mediocre offense and a defense that was up and down throughout the year. But um, – I think he did more than enough to keep his job this year, and um, next year he's going to have to get a lot of things right. Now, you know, obviously the, the one big storyline surrounding the Saints is, is Sean Payton, and now he has received permission from three different organizations to interview him for the head coaching job, uh, one of them being the Houston Texans. Now, now shout out to the, to the Saints GOAT and, and Nick Underhill. Uh, he, he brought up a good point on social media earlier that the Texans have picks number 2 and 12. Now, you're not going to get two for Sean Payton, but you, mm-hmm. could, you could very easily get 12. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that was interesting. I mean, yeah. I was writing uh, about the Cardinals interview, and then that one popped up, and it's like that is a whole different dynamic. It's something you didn't really think of, and I, I didn't really think the Texans would even pursue him. Uh, just because of the situation that they're in, Nick Casario, three coaches in three years is about to be, and um, Sean's been wanting a good front office, good owner, and I don't think the Texans have either of those. But the Texans bring something different, and um, you know Sean Payton's been in the NFL for a long time. He's had a lot of quarterbacks. He's had a lot of different teams with different jobs. He's never really got to draft his own quarterback. You could say. I mean, he won in Mahomes. He drafted Garrett Grayson. That doesn't count. Um, but the opportunity with the Texans to take either Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, it, I mean, if the Bears aren't completely brain dead and they draft a quarterback, he would get his own decision of a young 
quarterback, and that might be something that interests him. And um, I, I really doubt that he ever actually thinks about going there, just because of the situation that they they've had and been having. But uh, it definitely could be a situation where you you'd be like, "Yo, give me that 12th pick you have, and um, give me a second, and give me a second next year." Um, I don't think they'll get multiple first round picks as many people want, but that's that's a package I'd take. I'd also take, you know, maybe a first next year. Um, it all kind of depends, but I think my most likely landing spot for him right now is Arizona. I think it makes too much sense. Um, they also asked to interview him today. Uh, Sean loves Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray's going to have a say in the coaching hire, which is, is pretty big. Not a lot of teams go to their quarterback. And, um, I mean, if, if you go back and watch – uh, the combine where Sean Payton was actually on TV during that. Um, he, he loves Kyler and he always, always has good things to say. And, um, he was on, um, some, some show the past couple weeks and he said how, how he'd fix the Cardinals offense. And, uh, it makes all complete sense and the perfect quarterback for him. And I think it makes too much sense that the GM is gone as well. He could bring in a guy or two that he'd like in that front office as well. So I think, if I had to choose right now, I, I think the Cardinals make the most sense. And get, like, Jeff Ireland to go with them. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, you could take Jeff. You could take Pete as well. I mean, uh, whoever he wants. <laughs> take them <laughs> please, all. Please take Pete. Yeah. Please take yeah, Pete. Yeah, take Pete. You can, you can easily take Pete. Look, I don't, I, don't want Pete, I don't want anybody to not have a job because that's just cruel. I don't want Pete to get fired. He can have a job, just not in New Orleans. No, I, I he. And here's the thing. He can stay in New Orleans. That's perfectly fine by me. He's not the offensive coordinator. He should go back to what he was going offensive to be last offseason. He didn't even want the offensive coordinator job. If he wants to be a passing game assistant coordinator or offensive quality assistant, that's fine by me. It's not like he's completely useless on this team. I mean, he has value, and Sean Payton kept him around for a reason. And if Sean Payton does you know, eventually choose a team and he wants to – bring Pete with them and be like, hey, um, Pete's on our team. You, you can throw us like a fourth or fifth round pick as well if you're going to take him. So I don't know the rules about trading assistant coaches, but um, I think he has some sort of value, but I, he definitely is not calling plays for me next year. What are, your, what are your thoughts on the conversation about the Bears potentially drafting a quarterback? <sighs> bad teams stay bad for a reason. And Ryan Poles, their GM, Forget where he's originally from. I think it was from Minnesota or something like that. I don't, I don't, I don't remember where he's originally from. But the commitment to Justin Fields is completely disrespectful. I mean, what he showed them this year is he can be a, a dual threat quarterback in the NFL, which is which is completely rare. He destroyed teams running the football, and the question will be going on to next year is um, the passing ability. He didn't really pass a ton, you know. He, sub 200 yards a game, 100, 150, and uh, the Bears have never had a 4,000-yard passer. And that's not his fault. You go out and you trade your, your second-round pick, which is now the first pick of day two, for Chase Claypool. That was his number one. And then he has Nikhil Harry, Darnell Mooney, who was in and out. I mean, the commitment to him, they, Bears fans, they have the most cap space in the NFL, and that's for a reason. They're not spending their money. If if I'm the GM of the Bears, I'm saying no. We're this is Justin Fields' team. We're going to build around him. You're not going to be a good team. You're not going to have a good quarterback if there's no pieces around him. I I think if 
if they take Bryce Young or even CJ Stroud, I, I think it's just just completely clueless. And um, hey, look, if if they want to do it, fine by me. That's another quarterback that'll be available this offseason. And um, actually, I'm rooting for it now. Draft Bryce Young. I'll take Justin Fields, and we'll, we'll figure it out better than you guys did because um, we know what we're doing around here. And uh, I mean, at least somewhat. But yeah, I, I definitely don't think they should take quarterback. You're an LSU fan. What are your thoughts about Walker Howard entering the transfer portal? I, I had some worries about it uh, just because the playing time and the bowl game, uh, he didn't look you know, phenomenal, and I didn't expect him to look phenomenal. But Jaden coming back another year, I mean, you got Garrett. Um, you got that – I don't remember his name. You got that kid coming up. Um, Ricky Collins. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, there's just not a lot of – for sure playing time and I kind of wonder what where he'll end up if he'll end up at another SEC school or maybe like a Big Ten school or something or I, it kind of depends on what he wants does he want to be able to compete for a job right now does he want to for sure a starting job but I, I was bummed I had a lot of hopes for him and um, I was a fan of his and I always thought he was a super humble kid and um, I like the way he you know sat behind everyone this year and, and waited for his turn and finally got it um, but I mean, that's completely his decision, and I'll, I always respect college players doing what they want to do, but, you know, that's on him, and I'm sad to see him go. TCU and Florida seem like the, the two front runners right now for, for the services of Walker Howard. Brendan, appreciate you as always, bud. Take a couple of weeks to yourself. Uh, we, we will halt Houdat Wednesday now that the, the season has come to an end, and uh, when the draft gets a little bit closer, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll start picking it back up again. Hopefully next time we talk, we got a couple first-round picks to play with. No kidding. Appreciate you, bud. Yep. Tune in next week for another edition of Who Dat Wednesdays here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back for the last time today on this Wednesday. Do want to remind you that NFL Wildcard Weekend is coming up. And the easiest way to get into the playoffs is with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. New customers can join today and get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up with promo code KLWB. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to even player props. You can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payday with a same-game parlay. I'm going to take the over on Tom Brady's passing yards, or Rashad White anytime touchdown, but then also take a Mike Evans anytime touchdown. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet for $150 in free bets, win or lose, with promo code KLWB. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Looking at the poll question of the day, do you want to see the Saints do hard knocks next season? I'm about it. No, please no. Don't care either way. Still, a little above 50% towards I'm about it. 22% goes to no. And then the other fourth goes to don't care either way. Pels versus Celtics tonight. Matt, we got? I'm going Celtics. I'm going Celtics as well. 
I just I think that Jason Tatum, be... Jalen Brown, you still have all your stars. You still have your main one-two option intact, whereas you're only kind of working with your number two, yeah, or potentially three, depending on who you look at with C.J. McCollum. Going to be going to be just a little too much to handle for a uh, injury-riddled New Orleans Pelican. Shout out to Koki Riley and Brendan Ertle for joining us. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well. Hug your mom and them. Same time tomorrow, same station right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Jim Gazzolo and the McNeese Coaches Show is next.